All right, good day, everybody. This is Emar Sub Two. Welcome to another edition of the Grit Iron Blitz, where we're going to look over the past week of the NFL season. That was Week Eight, and we're recording this on. We are recording this. I, I listened to myself back, and I, I'm slurring some words. And I was like, "We're we are recording on November third, two thousand and twenty-one." I'll touch on some of the major news that's developed over the past 24 hours. We were supposed to record this yesterday, but did not happen. We're doing it, we're doing it today. Been some major news on the trade front and with Aaron Rodgers. We'll touch on some of those things. We'll go more in depth on those topics on later on this week when we do our preview of week nine. Uh, so I will address some of those things uh, while you're listening or watching us. And I'll do, we're just going to review the games. And then we'll have some thoughts from there, kind of what's going on. Uh, as always, to follow everything that we do, go to the mothership, to sportsinquire.net. You go there and find out all of our latest content. You can also go to our social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you go there under Sports Inquire, do a search for us, and you will be able to keep track of everything that we have going on. And finally, subscribe to our audio and video host, such as YouTube, SoundCloud, Anchor has joined the the sports inquirer we joined anchor which is a subsidiary of spotify and that's been very helpful i like the the, the setup of it as far as the format and the play and stop options and everything like that we're still on soundcloud as well but uh we're going with anchor as also uh, google podcast and apple podcast you go on those and those have been up to date i've been able to update those links and they were giving us some issues but now Everything is synced up and ready to go. So make sure you go to those sites and subscribe to us, like us, make a donation. You can do that on Anchor. As far as everything we have going on, we greatly appreciate it uh, that if you do all of those things. But thoughts on the past week of the NFL season in week eight. Once again, close scores, a lot of parity in the league. There's some really good teams. And then you have really bad teams. And we'll get to those in our recap. But the, the middle is very, very big. 25 games have come down to the final drive of the contest as far as a game-winning score. That ties uh, 2002 and 2012 for the second most such games in NFL history through the first eight weeks of the season. Only 2015 had more of those. We're also seeing big comebacks from teams from at least 10 points down uh, in a contest to secure victory. Tennessee was down 14 points, still able to win at Indianapolis in uh, overtime. The Jets were down 11 points in the fourth quarter, still able to defeat Cincinnati at home. So we've seen a lot of that going, a lot of overtime games as well. 12 overtime contests so far, tied with the 2002 and 2003 seasons for the third most of the first eight weeks of the season. Only in 1995 and 1983, did we have as many games that have gone into overtime? So those are overarching themes from week eight of the NFL season. We'll start off with, with the Thursday night contest. Green Bay defeated Arizona 24 to 21. We saw that late drive uh, for Arizona trying to score and ultimately interception thrown by Kyler Murray on a pass attempt to uh, A.J. Green, miscommunication on somebody's side point is that was an interception when they were deep in the red zone personally a field goal would have been sufficient in that situation i understand going for the win and staying undefeated and facing green bay 
and everything going on with that. But still, when it gets, and I, it, was, it wasn't forked down, to be fair, uh, in that scenario. Uh, but well, we have to be very, very careful with the ball. And that was a very aggressive play call, even if it goes right for Arizona. Now, if it went correctly, we'd be praising them for their aggression and, and, and taking a chance there. I didn't like that play call in that scenario from the very beginning, but they deal with it. That's an interception. And I think Green Bay, and this is where we get to Aaron Rodgers, news came down today on November 3rd that he has tested positive for COVID and he will not be playing in next week's contest or this upcoming week's contest against Kansas City. What does that mean? We get the Jordan Love show finally drafted two years ago with the franchise by, by the Packers, started a lot of the drama between Aaron Rodgers and the front office, and Rodgers is unable to play. I didn't know, and I'm hearing conflicting reports about if he had the, he's vaccinated or not. Now, that's his own choice. I'm not getting political. What it means, though, is that if you, because we're recording this on the 3rd, on the Wednesday, I think if you test, and this policy is, it's very interesting, but if you test positive, I believe you're gone for seven to 10 days. That's the wording of it. If you're vaccinated. So obviously he's going to be unable to play in this week's contest against Kansas City. If you aren't vaccinated, I believe it's 14 days and maybe even longer. I think it's 14 days. So that means you're going into the next week as far as unavailability. Right now, what we're hearing what I'm, I'm seeing as far as the reports, it's just for the Kansas City game. I don't know anything beyond that. And I said, once again, not getting political or medical. I'm not a doctor and all this stuff. The vaccine conversation has been really drawn out, no matter what side you're on and for or against and everything like that. But speaking strictly football terms, he's definitely going to miss this contest against Kansas City and maybe even longer. So that's something to keep an eye on. And the Packers have an issue, though, in that facility. Remember, Devonta Adams missed the Arizona game this past week because he had COVID. I don't know his vaccination status either, but as I mentioned, you get seven, I think it's seven days, even if you're vaccinated. So that wipes out your the game you're going to play that upcoming week because we play once a week, seven days. That's the calendar. Uh, so we'll be keeping track of all of that as it, as it develops and goes on. But yeah, Jordan Love's going to be the starting quarterback, at least for this. He's not going to, we're assuming Rodgers, if he's healthy, he's healthy and everything like that. He's not going to become the new starter of the team. Love can throw for 500 yards and seven touchdowns, which he's not going to do. And he still would not be the starter of the team. But I mean, the Packers are in a very tight race in the NFC. Well, they have their division wrapped up pretty good. Because the other three teams that division just cannot find their way. But if you're looking at home field advantage, and remember the new playoff format, only the top seed gets a bye. And the Packers got that last year. Gone are the days of the two top records in a division or in a conference having a bye week. Those days are done. So you have one lost teams like Dallas, Arizona, the Rams, you know, the Packers all competing for that number one spot in that bye. And the Packers are fully entrenched in that race. So a loss to Kansas City, which is not inconceivable, would hurt those chances as far as a top overall seed. But we'll see what happens uh, as far as that goes. 
what injury or a situation we do know is happening is the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry. Now, Titans were able to win at Indianapolis 34 to 31 in overtime, as we mentioned, overcame a 14 point deficit in that victory. However, in uh, Derrick Henry, the all pro running back, I say the best running back in the NFL, definitely the best player on the Tennessee Titans, injured his foot. Reports were that it was broken and he's out for the season. They did a medical procedure, so he may come back at the end of the year, but we're already halfway through the season. So the timetable, the timetable of his return is not known. Our point is without him, championship aspirations for the Titans are very, very low. And they still may win the division. They have a two-game lead as we're recording over the Colts. But if you're looking at them as a championship contender, that's going to be very, very tough. Similar to the Packers, as I mentioned with Aaron Rodgers, AFC, the top of the AFC, is very, very competitive. Because you're, lo- you're looking beyond just winning the division. You're looking at that home field advantage. Uh, Buffalo has two losses. So they're only one game back of the – well, they're, t- they're tied uh, with the Titans as far as the win-loss record. Uh, you look at the Raiders, they only have two losses this season uh, so far. Uh, you know, you go down the, the list as well, I'm trying to think about oh, Baltimore. Almost all these teams have uh, two losses, even the three-loss team, uh, like the, the uh, Bengals. I know they just lost the Jets. <laughs> That's a bad sign for you. Uh, but all those teams are jumbled up in that uh, top of the, the AFC. As I mentioned, I think that division is very winnable for the Titans, and they'll get a home playoff game. But then they may have to go to Buffalo or may go to Baltimore. You know, it could be very tough scenarios uh, for them to deal with. Uh, But, yeah, and I know they signed Adrian Peterson. We all know that AP Adrian Peterson is not the running back that he was, not even with the the Washington football team or even last year with Detroit, where he rushed for, I think, six, seven hundred yards in the season. He's not close to that right now. And. Now his legs may be fresh and he may have a nice game or two to start off because he's fresh and available. But I think after a few weeks, he's going to wear down because he's older and that's just reality. He's not going to be able to take the load off as far as the rushing attack for the the Titans. But now this is why you have A.J. Brown, who some would say is a top five receiver in the NFL. You have Julio Jones who is inconsistent with availability, but he, some would say he is still, he's a top five wide receiver. Ryan Tannehill got to throw the ball more. You have two high caliber wide receivers on your roster. This is why you trade for Julio Jones. This is why you draft A.J. Brown to be in these situations. So we'll see what happens with the Titans as they roll along. The Saints tough loss for them with Jameis Winston. He's out for the season with a torn ACL, injured the knee, uh, in the 36 to 27 home victory over the Buccaneers this past weekend. Uh, Tom Brady threw for a lot of yardage. I think four, four touchdowns became the first all time holder for most four TD pass games in a career. Also three TD passes in a career. Uh, but it really came down to Trevor Simeon coming in as the backup quarterback for the saints, still able to move the ball down the field against a Buccaneers defense who we saw have a very good run at the end of the last season. Played very well in the NFC Championship game against the Packers. Had a very good performance against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But since then, it has been a little so-so as far as 
championship standards as far as the Bucks go. And I know, yes, I know that they've been without their cornerbacks, their starting cornerbacks at certain points of the season, Jason Pierre, Paul, in and out of the lineup and everything with that. But we've seen against solid offensive teams such as Dallas and such as New Orleans, them have struggles. So to give up 36 points to uh, a backup quarterback in, in Simeon for the most of the game, who was in there for most of the game, that's not a good sign for the Bucks defense. Now, the Bucs are still a very good team. I still think that they can be a championship contender, but that does have to worry you a little bit. We know Tampa is going to score, and they're doing this even without Antonio Brown and, and Gronkowski, who they probably are more needed towards the end of the season. Those older players, you want them fresher. So, I mean, they're injured right now. You, don't, you want them to play, but maybe it's uh, helpful that they're not playing and wearing their bodies down right now. So we know the Bucs are going to be able to put up points. They're doing it now, uh, but especially when those guys come back. But defensively, you have to be very concerned or for championship aspiration defense. Now, if the Chiefs had this defense, they'd be jumping for joy. Uh, but, and the Chiefs have aspirations too, but it's still something for Tampa to keep an eye on as far as the season rolls along. Dallas defeated Minnesota 20-16. to 16. Dak Prescott did not start. You saw Cooper Rush go in there, outperformed Kirk Cousins, the quarterback for the Vikings. Minnesota, they have to figure that situation out in a, a major way. It, it may be time for the Kirk Cousins uh, Zimmer era to conclude uh, with the Vikings. But credit to the Cowboys, ran the ball well. Ezekiel Elliott had a big, in that fourth, the last drive that the Cowboys had the ball, converted a big first down on a swing pass ran through several Minnesota defenders to get the first down. And then you saw a nice pass to Amari Cooper on uh, the fade route to get that final touchdown to secure the victory. Very big performance for Dallas to, to get that victory. Dak will be back. You saw him warming up. That ankle looked very good, but I think that was an indictment. And I'm not the first one to say this. I, I want to give Shannon Sharp, I think, credit for that. I'll give credit to other media members or people talking heads in the football world i mean i know a lot but i don't know everything uh, but i think he was the first he said it was like an indictment on Kirk cousins that that dak prescott did not play that game and it went to cooper rush and i agree with that many other starting quarterbacks in many other scenarios you probably see dak prescott play but he did not play and that's good because he gets an extra week of healthiness for his ankle uh, or his his leg so we'll see what happens there with the cowboys who Look, we're all skeptical of Dallas from the very, for the, if you've been following sports for the past 20 years, we all know the story with Dallas. Play very well, have moments where they look like world beaters and championship contenders, but then they find a way to collapse and have struggles. Now, this team is not going to win every other every game the rest of the season. They're going to have a stumble or two, but they might be a championship caliber team. Their head coach, Mike McCarthy, he didn't do too bad in this game, but we've seen in the past few weeks have some very questionable play calls and clock management scenarios. You worry about that. The defense is playing very well right now, very opportunistic. Uh, so I don't, we haven't seen that consistency on that side of the ball in the past. But besides that, talent's there. The quarterback is there to be a, a winning team. But Dallas may have a chance this year to have a very special season that they haven't had in a very long time. Kansas City defeated the New York Giants 20-17. to uh, I, I grew up in New York, my Giants supporter. 
that's not a very good team. And any other, if, almost any other, I don't say that's a hyperbole, a hyperbolic statement. If I said any other quarterback besides Daniel Jones would have found a way to win that game. But you look at the scenarios, you, the, the Giants get a turnover, and we'll get to Mahomes' turnovers in a moment. But you get a red, Kansas City's in the red zone. Mahomes throws an interception. The Giants get the ball, stop the, you know, stop the drive, defense plays well. Two plays later, Daniel Jones turnover. Kansas City gets the ball right back. It's just you can't do those scenarios. Uh, but Kansas City, you look at the multiple turnovers by uh, Mahomes again. And this offense, which three years ago, even last year, looked like it was the all an all time offense, and not maybe not the best offense all time, but right up there with one of the best offenses in the history of the league with the throwing ability of Mahomes, all pro tight end, future Hall of Famer, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's an all pro receiver as well, and just incredible players on that side of the ball. And they're struggling now to get the 20 consistently. You're seeing a lot of teams play zone, and they're daring Kansas City to throw the ball underneath. If you want to throw to Kelsey, him have a big day, that's okay, but he's not going to beat us deep. Tyreek Hill, arguably the fastest receiver in the NFL, we're not going to allow him to throw bombs or throw, throw the ball over us and have Tyreek Hill catch it. And you're seeing Kansas City try to adjust to it. You're seeing Hill on some run plays, some screens, just get the ball in his hands. And he's a very shifty runner. He's a tremendous player, but his strength is running routes and going deep. And he's not, they're not allowing him to do that as much this year, just schematically. And the Chiefs are trying to do it. There's nothing against the Chiefs in that regard. Uh, but schematically, you're seeing defenses go against them, just play zone, play deep, and make them go underneath. And Mahomes, even with that, and yes, he's had some bad luck. Several of his interceptions have been off of receivers' hands and off of helmets and everything like that. But they are not allowing Kansas City to play consistently uh, vertically. And that has been something the Chiefs have to figure out. Now, they're able to beat the Giants this past weekend, 20-17. Uh, to 17, But we'll see what happens even this week against Green Bay, a team with a solid team. Uh, we'll see what happens in that contest. Carolina defeated Atlanta in 1913. Look, I, we're, we're based in Atlanta. So after, I, this is a little bit earlier than normal for a, a recap week, uh, but not a very inspiring game. Good, good news for the Falcons, no one cares. Uh, being here in Atlanta, the Braves just won the World Series as we're, we are recording this. They won it on November 2nd. As I mentioned, we're doing this on November 3rd. They won last night. I have not heard – I mean, I, I, I still follow Falcon stuff, but it's been all Braves all the time. Even the Bulldogs of Georgia, football, college football team, undefeated, number one team in the nation. I mean, they'll get their attention later on, but it's been all Braves in the city for the past two, three weeks, and congrats to the Braves and everything with that. But the good news for the Falcons is that they have been playing bad football and it's really no people care. There are Falcon supporters that are not even baseball fans. So they are they're living through it. Uh, but yeah, just the, the, right now, they don't do anything really well at, at, at a high level. Offensively, they're not there. Uh, uh, Pitts is a nice addition to rookie tight end. He's had some flashes. 
Calvin Ridley, he's not with the team right now. He is taking a, a mental break. And if he's not with the team and not playing, uh, so you don't know when his timetable is to return. He's, you know, probably their best. He's their best receiver for sure. I consider Pitts a tight end. So th- those two guys are the top pass catchers. So Ridley not being there really hurts them in that regard. Uh, defensively, and they actually played okay defense against Carolina. Now, Carolina is not exactly a really elite offense, uh, but we've seen the, the 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 Falcons defense have their struggles. Just not one highlight really from this contest that I can give you, uh, but both these teams are probably, I still think the Saints will finish second in that division. They're going to be in the bottom half of the NFC South, and uh, we'll see what happens there with those teams. Pittsburgh defeated Cleveland 15-10. Good win for the Steelers, but a bad loss for the Browns. And with Baker Mayfield, my, my this is my thing on Baker Mayfield. And it's not a hot take, and I'm not saying he should be benched or banned from the Browns and everything like that. I think they're doing a disservice to him and their franchise by playing him right now. It's not hyperbole. He has a torn labrum and a... I guess there's a shoulder bone. It's either broken or cracked. Now, it's his non-throwing shoulder, so um, we all know that. It's his left shoulder. But he's playing injured. He's not hurt. Now, playing hurt and playing injured, there's the old cliche with players where you can play hurt, but you can't play injured. And he's injured right now. And the previous week, we saw Case Keenum. Granted, it was against the Broncos, but – Produce the same amount of yardage and even more points. They got 17 points and two weeks ago in that victory over the Broncos. Now you put the put Baker Mayfield in, they score only 10 points, and the offensive numbers are the exact same. So if you're gonna do that, and the reason I say they're doing a disservice, Mayfield, he's gonna play. He's he knows his is not this year his job's not on the line, but his future, he's looking for that maximum or that big-time contract extension that we've seen Josh Allen get with the Bills, that Lamar Jackson's about to pick up. All those guys were in his draft class. So he's looking to get the 100-plus million-dollar contract, maybe even 200-million-plus-dollar contract. So he's going to go out there and play and try to earn it. Even though if you – and this is where I say the Browns are not being smart with this. If you look at his contract, they don't have to make that signing – to three years from now, well, really two, because you still have that fifth year option on him. So he goes into next year, paid, I think, 15 million or 18 million around that range, which is below starter average. You know, I'm not saying he's a below average starter, but the, the salaries are very nice in that regard. And then if he has a really good year in 2022, you can franchise him. Now, when you franchise him, he'll be part, he'll get the average of the top five salaries. Shoot, by that time, you're probably looking at the high 30s, just looking at all the contracts and how they're lined up. But still, it's only a one-year deal. You can work around that. So why why play him now? Because if he's your franchise guy, if he's the, the player that you want to build around, which is questionable, and yet he can injure himself even worse. I'm not saying it's career-threatening, but that can really alter his path that he's continuing to play through this. And look, and I don't. It, I, what I also don't like is the his aggression. He ran down to the sideline, 
got hit out of bounds. He comes up jawing and, and very emotional and yelling and screaming. And I'm a tough guy and everything like that. Put up some more points when it comes to that. But still, you, you, before you start doing either drawing. But that's the reality you have to look at with him and the scenario of when you get a quarterback like him playing injured and forcing himself onto the field, that hurts all parties involved. And now you can't bench him because it would look like it was a, a bench, it'd be a benching if you sat him down because you can't go to the injury bank. That was a good thing. They could have let him sit for a few weeks. You put Case Keenum in there. And Keenum's not going to be the next starting quarterback of the future for the Browns, but they have a playoff caliber team. So you go with him for a few weeks, and then if Mayfield gets healthier, comes back, you know, maybe that, that's a positive. But now you, you got to stick with Baker Mayfield the rest of the season, unless he injures himself even more. But what's, the, what's his pain times? What's his injury? We don't know. So they really put themselves in a murky corner when it comes to that. So we'll see what happens there with the Browns. I'm surprised New England was able to win at the Chargers 27 to 24. We're starting to see Mac Jones throw the ball downfield a little bit more. Look, he's not gonna be Mahomes and even a Brady or you know one of these or even Lamar Jackson throwing 30, 40 yard bombs. He's not gonna do that. But instead of throwing these two, three yard screens, you could throw the ball 10 yards, even 20 yards down the field. And you're starting to get a little bit more acclimated. And the, the Patriots, I still don't think they're a playoff team, but they are around 500 right now. And that was a good win for them on the road against the Chargers. Bengals, bad loss against the Jets. They fell at New York 34 to 31. You let Mike White, making his first career start, complete 82% of his passes for 405 yards and three touchdowns. He did throw two interceptions, but still, that's a lot of yardage and completion percentage for a first-time starter. Remember, Zach Wilson is out with an injury, PCL injury to his knee, and Mike White came in there and had the, well, it was the first start of his career, so it was the game of his life, literally. Uh, those 37 completions were the most ever by a quarterback in his first start. Cam Newton was the only other quarterback since 1950 to throw for more than 400 yards in his first career start. So that's a bad scenario uh, for the Bengals. And I, I think the Bengals are still a playoff team. I didn't pick them before the season, but they put themselves in a, a good position. But if you want to contend for a division title, which is what you really want, you can't lose at the Jets, you know, in that scenario. So that was a tough loss for them. Buffalo defeated Miami 26 to 11. Bills keep rolling kind of quietly right now. I still think the best team in the AFC that's a we I would have said Tennessee was in that conversation, but we know Derrick Henry. That's gonna be a very tough claim to make. Uh, but the Bills were able to get a victory over Miami. Yeah, the Dolphins. I don't think the the, the smart by the Dolphins, I think, to not trade for Deshaun Watson right now. And this goes to all the other teams that were in the running. Some said Philadelphia, Carolina. Best for all parties involved. I say it's good for teams like the Dolphins and the, the Panthers, the Eagles, maybe the Broncos. About five, in the end, I could say maybe up to 10 teams would look at Deshaun Watson and say, okay, we can work with them. That I means still a 25 year old quarterback with that talent does, don't come available often. Uh, so that's in, on a very, con, a very player friendly, a very team friendly contract on top of that. 
but we all know what the deal with Watson, all of the off the field allegations of the uh, the sexual assaults, and nothing has been resolved yet with that. He's not been in court. He's not tried to settle. And you have to look at the league side of things. He, technically, he's not even on the commissioner's exempt list. We've seen Roger Goodell put players that are under suspicion of uh, some bad acts. And I say not guilty of under suspicion of where they are. It's, it's a paid leave in essence. While the league investigates and the legal process takes place, none of that is happening right now. Watson is pretty much a... Um, unable to part he's he's healthy he's like a healthy scratch that's what i'm trying to say he's a healthy scratch he can play he's not he's not injured or hurt or anything like that but the texans are not playing him he's still getting paid uh but that's where in this summer saying if he sits out this year does that count as his suspension by the for the league i don't think so i think the league will still want to put a suspension on him even with this year sabbatical or whatever you want to call it, because this is not, he's not being punished or disciplined, I should say, for the allegations and everything like that. So I think that, ha- that has to play out. That, that's the legal system has to be figured out. And that's not going to happen until I think the off season. Once you figure out if he's going to serve jail time or not, if he's going to settle, all that's not going to be settled or figured out until probably the January, February, after the season. So, so you're not going to trade for him, and then all of a sudden he gets jail time and you're, you're starting, your potential starting quarterback is in jail. That's not good for, for anybody uh, in that regard. I think it's smart for Watson as well because right now he's in a very good – well, um, he's playing it very interesting. He's not, he's not on the field getting hurt or potential for injury he's still getting paid which is very that's i mean for for watson's side that's very slick that he's still able to get compensated for not even playing but i also think that there are the reports were that he had a big desire to go to miami why limit yourself just to miami off the top of my head or in my mind right now i can think of the following teams looking for a starting quarterback next season. Some very highly, and some, they maybe kick the tires on it. We mentioned the big three, Philadelphia, Carolina, uh, for at least for watch this scenario, Miami. Those three, three teams, yes. Pittsburgh. I think Ben Roethlisberger, this is probably his last season in the NFL, or at least with, with the, the Steelers. You, know, you want to go up to Pittsburgh and play for Mike Tomlin in that organization, very structured, content, contenders darn near every year. Of course, you want to look at that. The Falcons, maybe Matt Ryan's time has come to a conclusion with them. You get to come back to your home state of Georgia. Uh, Falcons organization has its ups and downs, but it's still run by NFL standards, has a pretty decent reputation. The Broncos, they definitely may be in the market for a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is not the one long-term answer there green bay hey if aaron Rodgers leaves green bay look jordan love he may have a a bright and amazing future watson is an upgrade over uh, over love and we've seen the packers yes they've been stingy in the past about paying free agents but they draft well it's a well-run organization 
You can go up to Green Bay. I'd rather go to Green Bay than Miami. I know the weather stinks and Miami has South Beach and all that stuff, but that, though that's a good scenario, you know, to look at if you're a if you're a Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, so I, that's Washington football team without question. Now their organization is a I don't say a dumpster fire, but on and off the field, they've had major issues. We've seen now with the investigations going on there. But still, big market franchise that's been looking for a quarterback since Mark Rippon shoot. Well, RG3 had a moment or two there. I'll give him credit there. Uh, but still, that's a franchise that would be very happy to bring in a Deshaun Watson. I'm freeballing here right now. There, there's probably one or two others that I'm not even thinking of a franchise is that this upcoming offseason would be very interested in watching services if there's some clarity with his legal situation. So if I'm his representation, why would I limit myself to Miami, who has had a well, – I like Flores as a head coach, but that ownership with Ross and their drafting, maybe not the best. So if I'm Watson, why would I force myself? And now the reason that's all happened was with the trade deadline was this past Tuesday. It was yesterday on November 2nd. Why would I force myself to go to one only one organization when in a few months, it's a painful few months because it's very awkward in that facility. You can have your, and then you got to do your legal stuff. You can have your pick of many more franchises uh, besides just Miami. So I thought that was a smart move by all parties involved. And then Texans can start playing for the Texans organization. Yes, it's bad right now. You have your franchise quarterback not playing, but you get more suitors involved. You can get that trade value up. So that was a smart move by all people involved uh, in that scenario. But while that happens, you got to deal with probably a, a team that may only win one more game this season in the Texans who fell to the Rams 38 to 22. Matthew Stafford, 305 passing yards, three TDs, 28 career games, at least 300 passing yards, uh, surpassed Peyton Manning for the fifth most all-time for a player through his first 13 seasons. Cooper Cup, probably your offensive player of the year right now. Seven receptions, 115 yards, one touchdown. First player in the Super Bowl era with at least 900 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns in receptions in his team's first eight games of the season. I knew that his production would be increased with Matthew Stafford, but that's he's at a historic pace, you know, right now. Uh, and he's the first player, third player all time, with at least seven receptions in seven of the team's first eight games, joining Adam Thielen in 2018 and Michael Thomas in 2019. And Michael Thomas set the record for most catches in a season in 2019. So I... I don't know if Rush is going to get there because they do have Jefferson. They have some other receivers out there and they have some good tight ends, but that's a uh, Cooper rushes Cooper cup, excuse me, has had a, a just a record setting start to the season uh, so far uh, for the, the Rams, San Francisco defeated Chicago 33 to 22. We had three uh, rookies in San Francisco running back, Elijah Mitchell quarterback for the bears, Justin Fields and rookie running back, Khalil Herbert for the Bears. Those three guys combined for 312 rushing yards, which is the most in, in history with, with the rushing yards for three combined guys, uh, three rookies in one contest. Actually, it's the second most. In 1974, the Chargers and the Chiefs had a game 
where three guys had 318 rushing yards off by six yards. But still, uh, you saw all those guys have uh, big days on the ground uh, for their respective teams. Yeah, and just to wrap up the rest of the games that took place, Philadelphia defeated Detroit 44-6. to Hang in there, Dan Campbell. The Lions are going to win some games. Maybe not. They'll win a game this year. I don't think they go winless. Uh, but that's – they were very competitive in the beginning of the season. Close losses to Green Bay and had that Justin uh, Tucker kick, the record-setting 65-yarder at the buzzer for the Ravens to win at Detroit. But ever since then, they have just had not good performances. But they, they'll get a win. If Jacksonville can get a win, Detroit can get a win. Speaking of the Jags, they fell at Seattle 31-7. to Not a surprise there. DJ Metcalf, two, or two TD receptions. Uh, so he now has 25 for his career. And he joined Hall of Famer Randy Moss and Odell Beckham as the only receiver since 1990 to have tw- at least 25 TDs through their first 40 games. So big night for, for him. And Denver defeated Washington 17-10. to Hey, Von Miller, a Hall of Fame career. Now he moves on to the Rams. Uh, that's all I have to say about that contest. Uh, that concludes this edition of the Gridiron Blitz. As always, go to the sportsinquire.net, premier site for news and notes in the world of sports. You can also go to our uh, social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Sports Inquire. And then finally, subscribe to us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Anchor, Spotify. Google Podcast and Apple Podcast under Sports Choir. Find us there, and you'll be able to keep track of everything that we have going on. Until next time, good fight, good night, and be safe.